Welcome back to Making It So. I'm your host, Craig, and my co-host, Maddie. How you going, mate? That's me drinking to cope with what I just watched. <laughs> this is our episode number 20, and we're covering Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 9, Subspace Rhapsody. Like, the title of the episode's cool. Like, I like the... Maddie's sitting here with his eyes, like, closed, looking very sort of dejected and... We've got a little bit to talk about. There's some cool moments. Do we skip it? Okay, episode's over. Let's come back <laughs> next week. Can we be done? Bye. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I just like. Oh, I don't know. Like how to 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 feel about this one, except maybe this. The line has to be drawn here, <laughs> this far and no further. What? Well, yeah. Like, wasn't the strongest episode of the season. But let's go on with the synopsis first, shall we? An accident with an experimental quantum probability field causes everyone on the Enterprise to break uncontrollably into song, but the real danger is that the field is expanding and beginning to impact other ships, allies, and enemies alike. Directed by Dermot Downs and written by Dana Horgan, Bill Wolkoff, and staff writer Anitra Johnson. Well, A, that synopsis was way too long, and B, it was incorrect. Because there's something about an experimental bloody bloody blah. It was naturally occurring. There was nothing experimental about it. They were experimenting on it, but its existence wasn't experimental. That, they discovered it. That's entirely true. Alright. Before we go any further. Spoiler alert. Skip it. If you don't if you don't hate yourself <laughs> and you don't want to walk out with a drinking problem like I'm gonna have, just skip it. Patty's still gonna drive home too. <laughs> Oof. All right, so spoiler alert. Yes, if you haven't seen the episode yet and you don't want to be spoiled, stop, pause this, go watch the episode and then come back and listen to what Maddie and I have to say. I'm sure Maddie's going to say a little bit and it's going to be quite negative. But This is what happens when bad writing happens to good actors. Yep, I can look. Yeah. Like so many talented people on screen. Only a couple of dodgy notes here and there. And some good singers. Really, really good singers. Like, there was only a couple of iffy notes, you know, one or two there. So talented, but just given garbage. I think before we go any further, though, we should mention, right, that on IMDb, this has got a rating of seven. That's way too high. Like, this is, like, actually, like, rated relatively high. Oh, no, that's going to got to be, like, the lowest of the season. Um... Possibly, actually, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, as shows go, though, yeah, it is the lowest of the season so far. But then again, yeah. it's only been out for, like, 24 hours. All right. Like, and last season's lowest rated episode was the fairy tale one, which is 6.1. And after that, it was the Serene Scroll at... Oh, sorry, the Serene Squall at 7.2. I didn't mind that episode. The, screen, the Serene Squall wasn't too bad. Um, but, yeah, the rest of the season's... 7.4 for Among the Lotus Eaters. Yeah, that's fair. 7.6 for The Broken Circle. Everything else is in eight. So 7.4 for Lost in Translation. Yeah, I feel like 7. It should be... Under the Cloak of Wars dropped a little bit too to an 8.4. Oh, yeah. I guess it's still... Well, I guess that's all we can hope for is the same with this. Yeah, I don't know how this entry. one's going to hold up in time either. So, like, Maddie has more experience watching shows with... Musicals than I'm also what a musical I do. Geek. I was in musicals all through my high school. I go to musicals. I fucking love musicals. Yeah. That was not a good musical. 
And like obviously, I've seen like quite a few musical movies and stuff over the time as well. Yeah, whether that's like The Sound of Music, Brigadoon. You ever seen Brigadoon? No, that's like a 1950s musical. Isn't that like an army, like a war one? Or no, something? no, 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 no. So Brigadoon is a village that only shows up like once every 200 years. It comes oh, into existence. That one, and it was it was actually referenced in a Lower Decks episode mm. because of a Brigadoon type village. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and all, I don't think a lot of people got that reference either, whereas I did. That's right. I remember I first learned about that when I watched that episode of Deep Space Nine, um, Meridian. Okay. Where the planet goes in and out of phase yep. and Dax decides to stay and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. So this episode opens with Uhura with one of her logs. All right. Talking about a naturally occurring subspace fold. Oh, not right. an experimental subspace fold. Naturally occurring, yeah. you say. <laughs> First line, you say. In order to triple the speed of comms, yeah, they're, you know, going to try an experiment. Yeah. And then, yeah. It doesn't exactly go to plan. Because science doesn't work that way. Okay. Show your work, Maddie. Okay. So as, as in terms of just vocal harmonics, technically you and I are singing right now. There is no difference between the sound that is coming out of my voice now. I'm hitting notes this whole yeah, time. Uh, yeah. So playing music into a naturally occurring anomaly isn't going to suddenly make... Everybody starts singing. Yep. I get it. it. If if you're sending transmissions into that subspace thing of people talking versus people singing, that's no different. That's like saying, okay, well, we're sending transmissions in English. We're going to send them in Japanese. And now the, the anomaly reacts to it. And now everybody's going to be talking Japanese. Yeah, let's do that episode next week. That's yeah. how much sense that made. Yeah, yeah. But we're Japanese. <laughs> that was Japanese. Oh, I, I got that. I didn't care. <laughs> uh, Uhura, was she, she was quick on the panel when she was doing was the cool. manual comms. See, that was like, really cool. You know, Uhura's always been, I, I feel like in, the, original, in job. the original series, yeah, she never got the credit she deserved for being like this phenom. Like, Oh god! Now I've blanked on a name, and I feel really, really bad. The act- Zoe Saldana. Yes. Like we got to see a bit more of that in those films, of you know what a prodigy Uhura is. I think that was just a product of the time the original series was based in. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. Because it's like I feel like even Hoshi got way more. Oh yeah. Clout for being how talented she was than Uhura ever got. You then know? even Hoshi didn't get a lot of time, did she? On yeah. Screen. But they respected her for what she could do. Oh, absolutely. How many, how many languages she could speak and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I feel like, yo, who are they kind of just took her for granted. So, yeah, that was a really cool opening to see her, like, inner element doing, like, the like the analog version of stuff, which I think buys back the earpiece, you know. She's hearing things really that aren't just being blasted around the whole bridge and she's directing. And it took me back to, like, you know, which I think is where the earpiece came from, like the old 1950s and stuff, like the switchboard operators, where you'd see them like, oh, yeah. you know, please hold, transferring you now, putting all the wires into, the, you know. And it would have been because of that why we have Bluetooth earpieces these days. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you see, you know, people walking around with them in. One cool thing I did notice at the beginning there was when they did like a shot across the bridge was Jenna Mitchell was sitting in the captain's chair. Yeah, that's interesting. But then about 30 seconds later, you see her back in like her operations seat. 
or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because they needed her to be there for, yeah. for the line that she sang. And there was some other random dude in there. Yeah, so why not just... <laughs> a yellow him? shirt was in the captain's seat. Why not just leave random yellow dude in the background in that shot and leave a gender where she's supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Like, Because she didn't do anything while she was back there. She was just sitting in the chair. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. All right, then uh, Pike, he's speaking to Battelle over the comms about a holiday that they've got planned to come up. And, you know, Patel's got all these massive plans for, you know, some sort of cool holiday. And Pike, he really doesn't seem like he's keen. Mm. Like, he'd rather go camping. <laughs> Such first world problems. Yeah, I know, right? I'm glad that was his arc for this entire episode. And then Una and La'an are in the transporter room for Kirk's arrival. And La'an came in hot. Like, and Una noticed it. And Una's fun. I like Una. Yeah, I've she, always got time for Una. She's almost like that big sister to La'an. Mm. Yeah, they've got that sort of relationship, obviously, because she kind of rescued her from... Yeah, yeah, and was a big sister to her. All right, and then, uh, yeah, Sick Bay Chapel's talking about how she's going to be heading off for a, you know, for a while now as well. And they mentioned doc- Dr. Corby, because that's who she's going to be working for. Oh, yeah, because she, got, she, got, she applied for a different fellowship, yeah. and this one she got approved for this time, and now she's going to bugger off for a little while. So, yeah, and that Dr. Corby fellow... It, she's actually engaged to him in the original series. Uh, never, never follows through that, does she? I don't think so. No, I think uh, so. What happens is he transfers his consciousness into some sort of an android body. I think it is, and he, oh. it doesn't work out for him, and he's kaput. Okay. So, and that's in an actual episode, or is that like a? No, no, that's in an actual episode. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just in terms of whether that's like. Law that we never saw, or whether no, no. That's something that actually happened. No, that's in yeah. an episode. So, yeah, maybe she'll maybe she'll disappear. Obviously, she'll be there next week. I'm assuming. Um, for you'd episode, hope so for, for the last for episode the of the season. And then, yeah, maybe she'll go and do her little fellowship in between season two and three, and then she'll come back. And she'll come back. Yeah, a dark secret and stories to tell. Well, I, and thinking about it, I I reckon we probably won't see her until, or if she does go between the seasons. Well, I'm actually picking the next episode. It'll be a, like, oh, what's it called at the end of the season? Cliffhanger. A cliffhanger, that's it. I reckon it'll be a cliffhanger, so yeah, I don't know if we'll be. get to see her disappear. Well, they've got to kill Peller off so we can get another engineer again. <laughs> anyway, so we go back to engineering and Spock and Uhura uh, and Pelia are there. And then, yeah, Pelia comes up with the idea, sort of gives it to them to... You know, use music. And Maddie's already had his... So uh, dumb. So and then a blast comes from that subspace field. And... Yeah. Then Spock starts singing. Again, Ethan Peck, MVP. Dude's got some pipes. Got some glutes. Got some pipes. What can't... Can sing. What can't Hot Spock do? I'm That's wrong. actually really hard to say. What can't Hot Spock do? Okay, got it. I'm just drunk. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, yep. All right. So Ortegas is back at the helm. Yeah. Oh and God. she. All right. And what does she do? What does she do, Craig? One when, of, she's, when she's back at the helm, what does she do? One of the lines that she sings. Wait, the only line that she sings solo. Give it to us. Ortegas is at the helm. Mm-hmm. The pilot seat. The pilot seat is my realm. So, every time Ortegas <laughs> gets robbed, drink. <laughs> Matt, so normally when Matty comes to watch these episodes over here, he doesn't drink a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, this time he's onto his third already. So yeah. that's a lot for Matty. Oh, yeah. I'm a lightweight. 
<laughs> oh my god, she gets one line to sing on her own, and that's it. Then we go to the opening titles of the episode, and and we get another variation. So this is what the the third variation on the opening titles this season. So they do a little mm. bit of acapella in this one. A little one. bit. Yeah, a lot. It's like Pentatonix vomited all over the entire thing. <laughs> What's Pentatonix? They're, an, they're like the most famous acapella group in the world. Okay, now. I don't know. Yeah. Were they in the movie with... Um... Are you, are you, is this the second week in a row you're referencing Pitch Perfect? Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. we got a diehard stand over here. Wow, who would have thought? Who knew Pitch Perfect was such an army movie? It's probably got something to do with the hot chicks in it, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just you and Fat Amy just going at it. Oh, not so fat anymore. Mm. <laughs> anyway, they go into the conference room. And well, then... before you, can I just say? Okay, yes. We've already had the one weird mess with the um, status quo, like have like in those old scientists. It's yep. like, we're going to play, we're going to completely subvert stuff. We're going to play around with the opening credits. We're going to do it. We've had it this season. We didn't need another one, especially not two episodes later. Well, and... Something that Maddie mentioned while we were watching the episode was it, this episode probably would have been better in the place of those old scientists and then under the cloak of war and then those old scientists. Yeah, towards the end with the big sort of second to last big number of Ohura singing cheerfully about her, her the death of everyone in, that she's ever fucking met. It was so... This whole episode was so weird tonally. It nothing yeah. made sense. She sings about the death of her family. What was the line about explode, oh. exploding into thousands of pieces of light? And she's singing it cheerfully about the death of her entire family. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I wrote it down, but I don't know. It's just like, I actually yeah. didn't write as much for this episode yeah. as I normally do. But then she goes back. <laughs> I don't normally drink as this much either. Um, but yeah, she, she kind of fell back into that Ohura from pre those old scientists who was like all about work and all. Yeah, she'd about sort of gotten over her family stuff, and now yeah, there was, she's back on. There it. was progress in those old scientists, so I think if you'd swapped those two episodes, it would have had more resonance with Ohura's character, and then it puts those old scientists as episode nine, and then that kind of rounds out Uhura for this whole season. Because remember when, remember in like episode one of this season, I talked about how grating and annoying she was. Like mm-hmm. at that first scene, she's like, you know, newly minted Ensign having a go at Pellier on the bridge about her station and blah, blah, blah. So I think that would have been a nice through line for the entire season. But we kind of got progression back. What was those all time? Is episode seven? Seven, yep. But now we've gone back in episode nine and she's still... You know? Yeah, I think, and as, as we sort of discussed while we were watching it, it's probably just, that's just down to the writing staff not sort of knowing exactly what each other are doing. Mm. Well, I mean, well. it could also be maybe they changed up the, the I mean, it's not unusual for a TV show that's to, true too. you know, um, film the episodes in a certain order and then release them in a different order. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of Comic-Con and stuff like that. Because obviously there was that weird thing where those old scientists got released early and we kind of got two episodes in a week to yeah, within a couple of days, yeah. Yeah, so it could, you know, coincide with Comic Con. Maybe they realized that was a stronger episode. Maybe those Altantis was going to be episode nine at some point when they were True. writing it. And then when they realized the release schedules and stuff like that, they flipped it last minute. Yeah, maybe. Those two yeah, that's a good but idea. Yeah. Still, I don't think in in a in a show where you've only got ten episodes a season, 
I don't think there should have been two like because last season we had that horrible um, fairy tale episode. I don't think you needed two wacky episodes in one season. No, I definitely think those old scientists was sort of all we really needed for wackiness and like yeah. not just wackiness though. It was a brilliant episode. It was really Absolutely good. Absolutely, like, it was. Probably my favourite of the season so far. And that's the really disappointing thing is I looked at the writers of this, this episode uh, for the musical and it had three writers. The two main writers were the writers who wrote Those Old Scientists and um, Ad Astra Per Aspera. So the two highlight episodes of this season suddenly have turned, like the writers for that have turned this in. And then the third writer for this episode is the writer who wrote... The fairy tale episode from last season. I really want to know how they came up with the idea to do this episode as well. Like, and why? Like, because, like, generally when shows do musical episodes, they're not that good. Yeah, I mean, you've got, I mean, the CW, like, Riverdale's done a whole bunch. The, the Arrowverse did a whole bunch. Like, the director of this episode is the guy, he directed the, the Flash Supergirl duet musical episode, which was dog shit as well. The last good musical episodes that I saw was obviously the iconic Buffy once more with feeling. And then a couple of years later was the Scrubs musical. Well, little bit of trivia here. It Mm. says after the first song, while the leadership are discussing the situation, there is an exchange about bunnies. I said that. I told you. This is a reference to the Buffy musical once more with feeling, which has been named by the showrunners as inspiration for subspace Rhapsody. Well, that just goes to show just because you're inspired by something doesn't mean you should try and recreate it and do it poorly. But then one of one of the user one of the user happy legs and twitching little noses and what's with all the carrots? (laughs) One of the what do they need such good eyesight for anyway? Bunnies, bunnies, it must be bunnies. This far, no farther. Or maybe midgets. Anyway, one of the user reviews here, it says that I know every episode can't be an original, but this is pretty clearly a straight copy of that Buffy episode. Oh, that's, oh. A, that's an insult to the Buffy episode. And Maddie is obviously quite a large Buffy fan. I'm wearing a Buffy shirt right now, actually, which is yes. ironical. Is ironical a word? I'm drunk. Um, you just made it up. Um, every word was made up at some point, Maddie. Yeah, I would, I would understand that, like, if you think about, like, where you know mid thirties, you would assume the writers of these shows are mid thirties, so they would have grown up on Buffy the same way we have. So it's like I fucking love that Buffy episode. I'm not stupid enough to think that I could ever recreate it and get anywhere close to it. So I understand that they would be inspired by it, but it's also season two, guys. This is episode eighteen of the entire show. Like Erica hasn't even gotten an episode yet. Drink. Um, I feel like we don't know these characters well enough yet for musical stuff to have any resonance. Well, saying that we didn't know them well enough, we actually learnt uh, Captain Battelle's first name in this episode as well, being Murray. Ah, uh, yes, that pivotal character, Captain <laughs> Battelle of the starship. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <sighs> Same as Kirk. Why was Kirk here? They, do you know what that was? That was like, fuck, we need more people. All right, you know who really could sing in this episode? Christina Chong, so La'an. Her singing, oh, yeah. she, she's she got a great singing voice. And even 
So one of the songs I kind of enjoyed was mm. where Christine Chapel was singing her song in, in like the bar. Oh, like yes, that pivotal. Can you name that song for me, Craig? I wouldn't. I don't know the name of any of the songs yet. Exactly because they were so blah. <laughs> um, this I'll I'll find it for you. This is live. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do it live. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a Guzman and Gomez ad. We don't need that. Um, back in the 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 back in time episode that that um Laan was in with Kirk. Yep. Same week on TikTok, she released um. Uh, a song. That was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow? That's the one. Are you um, going to play one through the microphone, are you? Yeah, you're going to like it because okay. the film clip's a little bit sexy. Okay, cool. All right, I'll, um, uh, I'll get ready to turn up the gain on the microphone. Yeah. Here, you can even watch the film clip. Okay. Yeah, okay. That is quite sexy. What's it called, Maddie? She's all she's literally seeing is two flames. Twi- it's twin flames. Twin flames. Twin flames. Look that up on YouTube, people, if you want to see. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah. By Christina Chong. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. everybody could sing. They were just given dog shit songs. There was a couple of good references in this episode, which are like referencing previous things in either the original series or even in Strange New Worlds. And mm. Gilbert and Sullivan was mentioned again. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah, so Una obviously loves Goob, uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. Mm, which was her dirty little secret. Yes. Uh, then obviously it's out since the um, uh, trial. Yes. So That's on public record now that she's a fan of Gilbert and Sullivan. Right. Um, Laan's room. We, we know where that is on the ship now because of one of the shots that they gave mm. us as well. Yeah. So she's at about the one o'clock position on the saucer, like right on the edge there, which is cool. I do like that. I still remember the first time in Voyager, I think it might have been, when... Um, Kess leaves and Tuvok just has that really nice moment where he just goes and puts his little Vulcan lantern, like puts a light in the window mm-hmm. um, and then it sort of pulls out and you see his quarters for the first time and where they are on the ship and stuff like that. And yeah, as a Star Trek nerd, I like seeing that kind of stuff. And it, it connects the the actors and the characters to the ship. It makes it all feel real. Because something I did spot in this episode is we're really short on sets. We're really running in short on sets. There was a whole scene where the senior staff plus Kirk, because he suddenly just seems to get put in on everything, even though he's a lieutenant, because he's Kirk, he just al- he's just allowed to sit in on everything now. Um, they're all having like a mission briefing in Pike's... They have the first one in the briefing room. Yes. Which is also Pike's ready room. Then the second one they have in Pike's quarters for no reason, because at the end of it... La'an and Una have to go and have a sidebar about it. So that where do they go? They go to the briefing room. And then the next scene when they're back doing another mission briefing, they're back in the briefing room because that's where they should have been the whole time. But there was nowhere for La'an and Una to go to have a little private moment. Mm. So they... <sighs> give us some more sets, guys. This, they're, they're, they're burning some budget on this show. Just give them... Well, some more their, their budget definitely goes into a lot of good CGI. Mm, like yeah. there is really some yeah, great CGI pretty. in this show. And even the the new, you know, air quotes new style of of how the ship looks as opposed to like the original series Enterprise. Like I like it. It's growing on me. Yeah. There's still some weird angles here and there and the bars weird and stuff like that, but um yeah, the bridge is really pretty. 
and all the all the shiny white is slowly growing on me. Mm. It's still a little bit weird, but um, yeah, it's 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 a good looking show. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like mm. it's one of the better looking Star Trek things that we've had lately. So mm, yeah, um, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy. It's definitely it's not as shiny as say the JJ movies. Well, that also had all the downlights shining directly at the camera for the lens. Yeah, flares. the lens flaring. Yeah. So, and I mean, but at least there's lights there, unlike you know Picard, where you couldn't really see anything because no, that's nothing, true. Nothing was lit. So oh, ma- yeah, the- ma- maybe that's why Picard couldn't be lit because they couldn't afford the light bill because <laughs> Strange New Worlds is being filmed. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a lot lighter than the Titan Bridge, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, so Laan and Pike they're in the turbo lift and. Laan is like, yeah, our emotions are a security threat. Mm. And Pike was holding the handle. He yes. Was holding the table with handle. I like that. Yep, you. those little small things, uh, they matter. Mm. You know, especially to the sweaties. Yeah. All right. And the, the shot of them trying to close the rift was pretty cool. Oh, with the, with the, the beam. With the beam thing that they had. That was pretty cool. That was a nice shot. Yeah. All right. And was it the Einstein compensator or something? The, yeah, something like that. Yeah, some, some science. Heisenberg. Heisenberg compensator, yeah, something like that. Isn't that the guy from um, Breaking Bad? I don't know. I've not watched Breaking Bad, actually. I figured that'd be right up your alley. Mate, I live a pretty busy life a lot of the time, and there's only so much hours in a day that I can watch TV. Fair enough. (laughs) I wish there was more. Yeah, because TV is quite important. All right, so Laan cuts the comms. All right, and the... Uh, the improbability field is expanding to the entire fleet. And we learn later on that it's not just the so entire, dumb. like, a Starfleet. We're expanding into the Klingon space as well. So dumb. All right. And we'll get we'll get back to the Klingons later because oh. this, like, while we were watching it. Drink. Maddie had to get up and walk away to get another drink. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was interesting. I just... I don't know why it had to suddenly become this end of the universe thing they had to solve. So, all right. I'm, I'm just looking at IMDB now oh, and the cast. <laughs> this is breaking. Breaking news. General Garkog? Garkog? Um, Garkong, I thought it was. Oh, it says Garkog here. Okay. He was played by Bruce Horak. Is that Hammer? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Wow, that is so ableist. They put an eye patch on the blind guy. <laughs> that is so fucking ableist. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, like the prosthetic really covered him up quite I well. I thought he seemed familiar, but that was because the name reminded me of Chancellor Gorkon. Gorkon, yeah. Um, well, there you go. That's interesting. Hmm. Now that I look at a picture of him and look at his eyes as well like in the it was they did look interesting everything else that they did to them was i will need to drink a lot to forget that (laughs) but yeah like the they they were bringing in like a lot of the gold um like he was wearing like little gold fringe sash and had a little gold eye patch and stuff like that you know what that that kind of took me back a little bit to discovery like with Oh, like, like the mirror universe. Yeah. They had a lot of gold armor, didn't they? Yeah, and maybe that was yeah, reuses of some of their yeah, their bits. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Th- this is like I'm not going to say I out and out disliked this episode. I did. Okay, that's that's <laughs> fair. But it was definitely the weakest I've seen of Strange New World so far. 
Right, I know I probably should have left that until the end of the episode to say. Oh, we're at the end. Okay, bye. No, we're, we're not quite at the end yet. Oh. We're getting there. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we had a lot of praise for season one. And aside from the fairy tale episode, I enjoy every episode of of, yeah. of season one. Varying degrees. Um, this season this so season, far? This uh, season has been a little more hit and miss for me. Okay. Um, but I would say the Ad Aspera and um, those old scientists, I think, are the best of the series so far. Okay. I think they both... If, like, if... I like last week's uh, Under the Cloak of War as well. Yeah, I had issues with... The the ending ruined that one for me. Yeah, But I was liking it for the first half. Like, if last season, I could say everything except for the fairytale episode would be, like, say, an 8 out of 10, Mm -hmm. I would say, like... Um, at Astra and those scientists could be like a nine out of ten. It's like my like I haven't actually thought about a rating for this episode for myself yet, mm. but like I, I'm gonna rate it, and for me, it's a four. Okay, okay, and that might sound a bit harsh, and but yeah, it there's. There was nothing in the episode itself where, like the songs, where it wasn't so catchy that I remember them all now. Correct. And like I couldn't even sing a line from any of them right now. And I've just finished watching the episode. There was a disconnect too. It's like the Ahura um, song at the end had the potential to be really, really good. It should have started out, just in terms of the, the construction of the song, should have started out as a low, sad ballad. Like, Spock, for like the third time, has been overcome by his emotions and just left in the middle of a crisis despite him being the science officer, which is a whole different issue. But that was because of what Ohura did, but she's like, we need to do this, blah, 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 blah. That was her most down moment. Then out of nowhere, she starts singing about her parents exploding into a million pieces of light. Mm -hmm. That should have been a really, really down, low song. And then it builds to something inspirational yeah. as her figuring out that she's the one that keeps them connected or whatever. And then that solving the issue. But instead she was like down and then singing the this chorus really, really high and happy and then goes back down into singing about Hammer's death and then goes back up really, really high. Mm. Like they didn't make sense. The disconnect. It was all over the place. Yeah, there was just no cohesion. There was no... Ironically, in a song about connection, like there was no connect. I I felt no connection to it, and I felt that for most of the songs, they just didn't. They they were all misses for me. Like I went into this episode wanting to like it. Mm. Like I I even primed myself by watching uh, Doctor Horrible sing along blog this afternoon just to get myself in the mood for a your musical. homework before next week is to watch the Buffy musical because I know you've seen the Scrubs musical already. Yep. I would like you to watch the Buffy musical so you can see how it's really done. I mean, it'll be hard for you because you don't really know the characters well and aren't hugely connected to them. But I think you'll just see how a, can a be well-written done. song, a connection of a character to a song. Just And even in the way they did it where, because much like in this episode, nobody wanted to sing and they were singing their, their inner emotions. But the way that the actors in Buffy would like roll their eyes, like they, they were singing the song, but it was almost like their face was split in half. And while the bottom half of their face was singing this beautiful love song, the top half of their face was like, oh my fucking God, can I just not, you know? So it, it built on the characters being like, I don't want to fucking sing this, but I'm like, the universe is forcing me to do it. 
That's what this episode needed. I think this episode or this style of episode would have been more suited to lower decks as a series. I think you're right. Yeah. Like it would have, like they could have had the same like subspace rift and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the crew of the Cerritos could have dealt with it and it would have made more sense because of the type of show that it is. And you could have gone real wacky with it. Yep. And because in a way money's no option with lower decks, it's like, it doesn't matter whether you're drawing a cell that has one character on a background or 400 characters in the background. Like, you could draw a big giant chorus doing a fucking step ball change kick, you know, doing the can-can or whatever, and it's not going to cost you as much as having to hire 40 extras. Yeah, they had a heap of proper dancers and can, stuff. Who yeah. can-can, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think... No, who can-can-can. can-can-can. Yeah, if you can-can-can. <laughs> Moulin Rouge, another great musical, unlike this episode. Um... Yeah, no, I think you're 100%. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. and But now if they tried to do something like that, it would just be like, nah, mm. can't do it now. Yeah. So, look, writers, directors, showrunners of Star Trek, and I'm even going to say it for Stargate for the future. Oh, God. Don't do it. No. All right. If you get, like, Buffy waited till its sixth season. It's not something you can get right easily, I don't think. It takes a long time. You've got to work on those songs, work on those songs, work on those songs. Fucking Riverdale did one like every season for like three or four seasons and it was fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like Scrubs didn't do it till there. I want to say fifth season maybe or maybe even sixth season. Like it was... Well, yeah, it was pretty late on. Yeah. So it's like... But again, they would do... Well, I think season four, they did a sitcom episode where suddenly it was a like My Life in Four Cameras and it was shot like an episode of Seinfeld or an episode of Happy Days kind of thing. It was... They would do an episode every season that would break um, tradition. Buffy did it. In season four, they did Hush, which is an episode where there was no dialogue. The The MacGuffin for that episode was that these demons came down to hear everyone's voices. Yeah, it's like... Um, so it was like a silent film. Community, They every couple of seasons, they would do like a paintball episode, which is really cool as well. So, like, yeah, shows do sort of have their themes that they follow, and I... They need to stay away from the musical to, you style. To, wait, you can't do it in the 18th ep- oh, Sorry, 19th, 19th episode, episode of the series. Of yeah. the series. Can you imagine that? That's the equivalent of like... The first season of TNG of Voyager. Season. Yeah, right? Like, can you imagine? We'd be like, what the actual fuck? Like, we don't know these characters enough. Like, I feel like Strange New Worlds has found its feet as a series. Oh, yeah. It's, like, it's doing great it's, things. Like, for, for a show that's had like relatively so little episodes compared to other Star Treks. Mm. It's a strong, strong series. Yeah. But yeah, this episode, yeah, is my weakest episode of the entire series so far. Like, even more than the fairy tale one. Yeah, that's what I'm putting it up against in my head and I'm like, I haven't gone back to re-watch the fairy tale episode I, look, again. So I, I could be being too harsh on it because I've only seen it the one time here. So far, I, I do want to watch it again and I could change my rating for it and bring it up from the four. But I think it's going to be one of those ones because it is like music. You really need to sometimes, for me anyway, I need to listen to a song a couple of times to start to appreciate mm. it more. There was no bangers in that. There was no earworms. There was no like tempole songs. Like it didn't. They were all just very, very much the same. And they were all over the place through different sort of genres as well, some of the songs. 
Yeah, like but it, within the, the same song. Oh, yeah, that big finale at the end, just like halfway through, yeah. just changed, and Uhuru just started singing something completely different. All right, let, different backing songs. let's talk about it while we're here because we're talking about complete changes. Mm. The fucking Klingons, when they sang their song. I'm out. Like, that was very, I don't know, like that was like boy band, K-pop, something. <sighs> oh, that was like Lonely Island meets Hamilton to me. It was... Very st- and they did like this whole dance and like yeah. it was very choreographed and and again I you've I think you've nailed it on the head if that was on lower decks that'd be fucking hilarious like that would oh that would have looked really funny right uh in the, like I get it was the joke like they're going for a joke but I don't know it just it missed for me yeah maybe maybe if I was in a different mood maybe if it happened at the start of the episode I would have laughed at it a little bit more. But by the time we got to that point, I just wanted the episode to finish. And then the ships started to dance as well. Yeah. Like uh, Erica flying the ship again. Of course she is. That's what she did. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's, and that's what I was alluding to before. It's like, it could have just been isolated to um, this one ship. Cause it's a big enough problem. It didn't have to be, oh, it's spreading to other ships via our subspace connections to them. And then is going to destroy the entire universe. Because of it. Because, like, all right, so when you th- think back to the last season of Picard, right? Yeah. Like, where, obviously, it's spreading across the fleet, the problem with the, like, organic Borg. That will be something that is told in the future of Star Trek. Like, that is such a massive thing. Yeah. This is sort of, like, so massive as well that why haven't we heard about it before? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. They should have made it just isolated to the Enterprise. And enough. maybe just that Klingon ship or something, but like to spread it to the yeah. entire fleet, I think it was too it much. Didn't have to be there. I mean, like obviously, like that thing you read before, someone was saying it's just a direct ripoff of the Buffy episode. It's basically in that this demon comes to town, forces people to sing, and then they like their um, like the energy builds up in them, so they just start singing and dancing uncontrollably. Is it to release the energy? No, because then they die. Like they actually like burst into flames. Yeah, okay. And catch a fire and die. So that's the. The peril in the episode is they have to find and stop this demon to stop everyone from singing before they all burst into flames. Yeah, okay. Right? It could have just been something in the anomaly was affecting the ship, and if they didn't solve it, the ship was going to blow up. That's all you needed. It didn't need to have wild, Almost crazy... like speed, like where the, the bus has to go 50 mile an hour. Yeah, yeah. and imagine if... Imagine if... Um, they have to keep the... The register at a certain level, otherwise, yeah. Yeah, and imagine if they had to negotiate with... Maybe imagine if the Klingons weren't affected. They were going to blow up the anomaly because of some reason or whatever, and the only ship that was around was the Enterprise, which, which again, they did it the other week, and they guilty over this week again. Kirk just transported in out of nowhere, and suddenly his ship was gone. Um, And then at the end of the episode... Uh, Marie uh, was back, so she was close by. None yeah, the Cayuga them, is around now, yeah. None of them helped, so it's like what would have been better if they were isolated out on their own, because that's what Star Trek's supposed to be, is about one ship travelling around. And imagine if they had to negotiate with the Klingons, but they could only do it via song, but the Klingons were still just normal Klingons. And then, yeah, the Klingons maybe saved them. How well, interesting no, would that have just been? Just the funniness of, of them having to negotiate with Klingons While they're singing. through song and the Klingons are like, what the fuck? And then you could have had fuck if you wanted to... It would be like, com- you humans are weird. <laughs> if you want to do a comedy moment, have fucking Spock break into a Klingon opera 
And that, like, earns their respect. And this episode would have been perfect for the Klingons to do a Klingon opera. Exactly. Like, because that's one thing that we do know about the Klingons. They love that Klingon opera. Yeah. Instead, they did that Lonely Island K-pop thing. It was weird. Yeah. And, and the whole premise is like, um, oh, God, what was the song that Uhura actually played? Um, Great American the Songbook thing. She was talking about at the beginning. Uh, no, the song that she actually played that caused oh, the whole thing at the yeah, start. Yeah, I can't it was, remember. It was like from Chicago or something like that. It was, you know, it was a jazzy number. So it's like you played a jazzy number into a subspace, a anomaly. subspace anomaly, but then it suddenly knows every kind of music style in the entire universe. What and spreads it out, and then at some point during the episode, they're talking about the anomaly wanted. Something to it wanted yeah, like it to was spread, alive, yeah, like it was alive and had will, and then we blew it up at the end. Yeah, it was so the way I looked at it, it was it was like it was a a musical reality that was bleeding through into ours, and then they had to close it to stop that reality ta- overtaking ours. But the reality was being spread only via our subspace communications, just to at the beginning yeah. only to other ships, but then somehow it was going to explode and. Destroyed all of reality. Like, uh, and then it, there was like, that whole thing where we spent a good solid 10 minutes on being like, we need an idea. And then Laan's like, well, Kirk and I are going to go and beam in some particles so that Spock can pretend to explode them. What happened to that plot point? Well, and all right, just talking about Kirk and Laan beaming in the particles, how aggressive was Kirk on the transporter platform, on yeah. the um, controls? It was just, it's, normally they'll do like a nice, even, like, yeah. yeah, up and then back down. He was just like, bang! Both hands. Wah, wah. And, like, it hit, like, the limits. I mean, that's how he grabs women and kisses them, so I guess it makes sense yeah, he's got okay. zero chill. Yeah. Um, no, nothing made sense in this. Nothing, like... And it's like, we're sci-fi fans. We'll buy a lot of bullshit. All you have to do is explain it in a good, sensible way. <laughs> and another part that Maddie found a bit sort of... Like, he was a bit annoyed about was when Laan and Una... Were singing in Laan's quarters, and then they turned the gravity off. No, that was in the uh, um, uh, blah, 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 blah. was that in the that was in the in ready the, room? In the, yeah, the ready oh. room slash conference room. Because they yeah, had, it was. They yeah. had to leave Pike's uh, quarters to go there to have that conversation. Yeah, like you could see the way that Una was leaning; that she was in a like in a harness. You could see it. No, they were on parallelograms. So when they did the um, uh, gravity. Gr- gr- gravityless moment there's like these seesaw things and that's how like stargate used them as well and that kind of stuff yeah, okay and it's like they were both on them it just didn't look right and then yeah they lowered them down and you literally see them step off the parallelogram like it's so clunky i cannot believe they used that take it was terrible that director needs to hang up his directing goggles sorry dermot well, you already fucked up one musical episode in this Arrowverse. You need so to step down, Dermot Downs. Just, yeah, just don't step <laughs> down on a parallelogram because we know you can't shoot that smoothly. Like. God damn. You, if you haven't seen this episode, you act like, watch it, but go into it with an open, like, don't go in listening necessarily to what we have to say about it because you might really like it. And like. If if you enjoyed it, that's great. Yeah, I've got a list of things that are a hundred times better quality wise than this. Um, maybe you've just got really low standards. That's fine. <laughs> like, there are people who 
and drink. This is the moment where we talk about how bad discovery is. There are people that are like, no, we need to keep saying discovery's good even when it's not just so that we get more Star Trek. People, There are some people who just, if you slap a Star Trek label on it, they will love it. Mm, there are. They really yeah. are. And I've, I've got standards. Sorry. As I said, I, I'm definitely I'm going to go back and rewatch this episode. Probably not tonight because that's enough Ooh. punishment for one night. Yeah, um, and I say that now, but yeah, like it, it might grow on me, but I don't. Like, it might grow on me a little bit. I don't. It's definitely not going to become one of my favorite episodes. Ooh, I've got a positive thing. I, oh, finally, I finally found one. There was that clever line that Spock sang. Which one? About finding finding the why and solving for X. Oh yes. That was clever because he was singing a song about him being um, breaking up with Chapel. Yeah, and being him being Chapel's ex, but he sang it like a scientist, and he's like, "I'm going to find why," as in W H Y. But then he's also going to find why and solve for X because he's the X. Clever. Is, that is how a Vulcan would sing. He was singing about science. That whole thing. That was clever. That's clever writing. The melody. Didn't play to his strengths. He has a fucking Ethan Peck has the most beautiful lower register. Like he was the first character to start singing in the episode. And those first few lines gave me hope because he has this beautiful lower register. And then the second he went a bit higher, they wrote a song that was out of his natural range. Got a bit of a crush on Ethan Peck there, don't you? Any day. I will climb that man like a tree. Any day of the week. And I've got those big glutes to hold on to as I'm climbing. Like, <laughs> like halfway, you can just climb up and just take a rest. That's like, um, you know, when you, cl- uh, when you climb Everest, what is it? Like uh, Camp A? Base Camp. Base Camp A, that's the shelf on, on top of his butt. That's where you can just <laughs> camp out for the night before you climb. Whereas if you tried to up. climb up Jess Bush, you'd fall off. <laughs> Absolutely. I love you, Jess. <laughs> I mean, she's white like a down downhill slope. <laughs> you just ski down her. Yeah. Look, yeah. I don't know what else Maddie and I can really say about this episode. Like, mm. we could keep talking through it. Nah, let's not and say we did. Like, it did have positives. Like, so, some of the songs had catchy moments. Mo- yeah. Moments. moments. Like but, a line here, a line yeah. there. The big Keep Us Connected song at the end that Ahura sang, the majority of that, she was belting that beautifully. But then the big Keep Us Connected was out of her register and she got very breathy in that in that top note. And it's like, well, this is the big moment. Adjust to the song for your performer. If your performer can't hit that, it's not like she's trying to sing an established song that everybody knows. She's not singing Lady Gaga. You can change the song. Lower the register yeah. a little bit and then let her belt yeah, they, don't, they don't have as much range as like Amy Lee. Like yeah. no, no one does. <laughs> exactly. So it's like if you're going to do a musical episode. Like- Amy Lee's from Evanescence for those that don't know. <laughs> Um, famously in, and I'll bring it up again, in the Buffy musical, uh, Alison Hannigan from, you know, her from like American Yeah, High of course I know who. How much, how much mother. Yep. She can't sing. Really? She's a terrible singer. She gets one line in the entire musical and it's, I think this line's mostly filler. That's it. She had, like, oh, actually, now that you mentioned Alison Hannigan, mm. in How I Met Your Mother, they did a musical episode. Oh, did they? The hundredth episode. It. 
That's right. Weren't they singing on top of a cab or something? Oh, that, uh, yeah. Barney was standing on top of a cab at one point. Like yeah. that was a really good episode, actually. Like yeah. I really enjoyed that, and I've watched that multiple and times. And I bet it wasn't season one or season two, was it? Oh, there you go. You well, it's the hundredth episode. episode. Yeah. There you go. You know, so you need time. You need your time to build your fan base and build your characters, so that you understand them before they start singing weird shit. Yeah. Nothing suits you like a suit. That was the main song from oh. that episode. Excellent. It only goes for like twenty five minutes. So it's great. Yeah, Great I episode. mean, Scrubs did the same. They did it in, yeah, 22, 25 minutes. And they've got bangers. Like, every song in that is a banger. Like, everything comes down to play. Yeah, and, and now that I think about it, yeah, like, all of the songs from that particular episode of How I Met Your Mother, I will sing along with them because yeah, I will know the words. Know yeah. Whereas this, I don't know the words to them. I think no. the songs were probably too long as well. Yes. Yeah, like, they, were, they, were, they were writing full three-minute songs. As if they were radio play songs. Yeah, it only needs to be like 90 seconds max. Yeah. Guy Love. Guy Love from um, the Scrubs musical was, you know, 70 seconds. Like, yeah. And it was awesome. Even 45 seconds would be more than enough for some of these songs. Yeah. But then, yes, I know it is an hour long. And this was a full hour, this episode. Mm. Like, it's too long. Yeah. Too long for this type of episode. Yeah, or have more at the beginning and end and have maybe only 30 minutes of singing in the middle because it's it's a Herculean task. Like it, like the amount of work that w- and money and resources and budget that would have gone into this episode in terms of, and the time having to pre-write all these songs. And we're not Assigned shit- tunes to them. Um, the actors would have had to have learnt them, would have had to have gone into a recording studio to record them or the choreography, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's the equivalent of shooting a film. Like, they shot a movie, basically. We're, we're not so much shitting on the actors or the writers and stuff. It's the idea of doing oh, no, this. I'm shitting on the writers. What, doing, the idea <laughs> of doing this for this type of series, like, it doesn't, so, it doesn't very much work. It was too early. All the actors did a fantastic job with what they were given. But like and I Christina said, Chong, girl can sing. She was great. Um, she, yeah, she did really, really well with hers. Uh, she had a, maybe a few too many. And I guess from a story point of view... Celia Rose Gooding, he, she can sing as well. Yeah, I mean, we've known that since like episode yeah. two when she had to save the ship. Rebecca, not so much. Like, they, I think they had uh, to do Romaine. a bit more... Yeah, they had to do a yeah. little bit more auto-tune on her. Yeah, she had a lot of expositional stuff. Babs, he obviously doesn't like to sing and mm. we could tell that and he said he doesn't sing, so... And they made him skip, which was really weird. You could tell how uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. it was in that. He was, he was not good. Like, Jess Bush... She's a model and an actress. Like she had a really beautiful, sultry tone to her voice. Yeah, there was a little Imagine, bit of like Christina Aguilera, a little oh, bit, a little, down, a little, a little, a little. Calm down. Um, not not as not nowhere near as good as Christina. I would, she's more pink than Christina Aguilera. Uh. Um, imagine imagine Jess Bush doing Kira singing um, Fever. Oh, yeah. Like Jess Bush's voice leans into that kind of thing, that slow, sultry yeah. kind of thing. She could play that quite well, yeah. Absolutely, and her song would suit that. That song didn't suit her voice. And she's got a beautiful voice. Same as Ethan Peck. He had a great voice as well, but it would his register topped out. Celia, who I think is probably the strongest singer out of the entire cast, I guess maybe alongside Christina, it's like, like I said before, with Keep Us Connected, she... She bottomed out, like she at the top there, she peaked out and couldn't hit those high notes. Adjust the song. And it's it's not the first time we've heard singing at all in Star Trek. 
No. Like it's but it's the first musical episode. Like they didn't have yeah. to make this a musical episode. They could have added just some singing into it and it would have been fine. Yeah. Like I said, episode two, I think, of last season was was Uhura had to sing to translate whatever it was. There was that species that trans that spoke mm. via singing. It wasn't great, it was fine. No, like how many times have we heard Picard sing over the years? Yeah. Like heaps. Well in Kira, Kira did Kira, yeah. Kira did um Fever. I mean, and they were able to do that as a um, hologram. Yep. Vic like Fontaine sang Vic all Fontaine. the time. Cisco got up and sang yep. Best is Yet to Come. Like, come, that's iconic. I sing that in the shower. I belt that in the shower. I'm not going to belt any of these out in the shower. Oh. <laughs> Actually, mentioning Vic Fontaine. So, the other week I went to an Australian citizenship ceremony mm. and the Australian Navy band played there. They played... Like, and there's probably no one else in the whole crowd that noticed this. And probably the dude that wrote the set was a Star Trek fan mm. because they just played all the songs from DS9 that Vic Fontaine sang. Excellent. Every single one of them. Vic Fontaine playlist. Yeah, it is exactly what it was. Seven of nine. Seven of nine in the holodeck in, in the um, yep. uh, the World War Two. She sang two songs in there. She sang Old Black Magic and that other one. Um, then and obviously all of that fit the episodes. The Doctor, how many times? Did oh. the, how many times did the EMH sing? Yep. You know what I mean. And it all worked. Music is totally fine. Fucking that at the end of Virtuoso, when it's not even Robert Picardo singing, they sub in a different opera singer guy singing that old Neapolitan ballad. I fucking tear up singing that. It is <laughs> so good. Excuse me. It is so good. Um. But yeah, nothing here, nothing here um, hit for me. There's, everything was a miss. Every every song was a miss. The actors' voices, though, they were quite, they quite could good. They could all they all did really really well with what they were given. So anyway, I I don't know if I can say a lot more about this episode at this time. Like I really yeah. need to watch it again, and <laughs> I, I think will not be watching it again. For our look, obviously, in our end of season wrap up, we will probably. Might say a couple more things about it because I will have had a chance to watch it again, and I will. I'll watch it again because that's just who I am. All right, Maddie, you know, like he said, he probably won't watch. He might. He might watch it again. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Anyway, so at the moment, I've given that episode a four. All right. I don't know if Maddie would give it that high. I mean, I haven't. I haven't sort of ranked all the episodes or anything like that, but. There's been a couple of wonky episodes this season for me. Um, this is definitely in the lower, lower echelon. I'm just trying to think. There were some stinkers, but I don't think anything this bad for this season so far. Anyway, the the next episode is... The finale. The finale for the season. Season mm. two, episode 10. It's called Hegemony. Yeah. All right. I'm looking forward to this one, but like... I thought throughout the entire season there would have been a few more little hints towards the Gorn mm. coming. Like it was in the first episode of the season at the end. You know, we saw like the Gorn pop up on the long range sensors and that's all we've really seen about oh, them. Oh yeah, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was it? the first episode. Yeah. Where Spock was in control of the ship. Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? So And they have been hinting at it. Oh, we did spot that thing though. What thing? Looks like Marie's going to die. Because um, at the end of the episode, she's like, oh, the whole, the big important plot point of 
Pike didn't want to go on that vacation. He wanted to go on a different vacation. Where? Actually, there's something that... Um, we... She said that she's been called on a, like a priority one mission. And that'll be this to do with the Gorn for and sure. she's going to get killed. Yeah. One other very important thing that I neglected to mention mm. was Kirk mentioned he's actually in a relationship. Oh, yeah, with Carol Marcus. With Carol Marcus. And she's, and she's pregnant. That is the first time... That that has ever been mentioned outside of the movie, as well. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched. What, what was that? Is that two or three where the, the son gets killed? Yeah. Um, It'd be two, wouldn't it? Because yep. the Khan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. Because yeah. Because oh no, it was with the Klingon. Were the Klingons working with Khan? I don't know. I don't know. People are yelling at us right now for not knowing that. Nah, well yeah. Um, We've both been drinking. All right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that well enough to know whether he knew that he had a son or may, I feel no, like he did. He knew. Yeah. I feel like I want to say he knew he just never really had much interest. And that's why the son he wasn't part of his life. Yeah. The son was just a bit miffed about that. Um, yeah. So I think that's a nice little tie in. It's an important piece um, to add into the Star Trek lore. Yeah. To really fully establish. Okay. Yep. Kirk was with, it wasn't just a one night stand either. Kirk was with Carol. Yeah. She's pregnant. Obviously, something happens at some point, and they split up, and she goes on and has what's the kid's name? Brad, Greg, John. Oh, God. people are really screaming at us now. That's very, very, very much annoying. Vamp, I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next episode, season two, episode ten, hegemony, the final of the season. Yeah, I, I'm expecting a lot from this episode, and. I think it's going to be good, right? And coming after this episode... David! David, Marcus, that's right. Yeah, coming after this episode, I think it's going to make it look even better, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think... Like, this... Subspace Rhapsody should have been episode seven. Then we should have gone on to... The Cloak of War one. Yeah, Under the Cloak of War, and then after that should have been those old scientists followed by Hegemony. And was there anything... Did they mention anything gone at the end of those old scientists? No, they had drinks in, in 2D yeah. at the end, didn't they? Okay, Matty, yeah. where can we find you on socials, my friend? Anywhere the, where this episode is not. Uh, on That's ins- not going to leave you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, at HighPitchMatty, H-I-G-H-P-I-T-C-H-M-A-T-T-Y. And you can find myself at Geek and Camo on Instagram and Facebook. Old. All right, girls, guys, and Janais. We will see you next time Thank for Hegemony. God. Sing us out, Maddie. Keep us connected. Nailed it. Nailed it. Just like Uhura did. Bye. Get into geek.